This is the Minesh Bindi podcast. Well, 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 this has been a long time coming. Uh, I have just sat down to record. This is the first episode of the MineshBindi.com podcast. Uh, I'm pretty glad I'm doing this, actually. I've been thinking about doing this for a while. I hope that you guys get all the benefit from it. Basically, what I'm going to be doing is, if you guys have been following MineshBindi.com, then you'll know what my objective with that is, is quite simply to to take everything that I'm learning about success on my journey and to document it, to write it down, to uh, put it into a simplified process so that one day... Um, my children can follow that blueprint because I've met enough successful people now who just don't seem to understand the distinctions, the key points, the key understandings that they had to grow through in order to um, to create really uh, the life that they have now. And there's one particular story that you obviously have read on MineshBindi.com or you will go and read after hearing this podcast. And it was just basically an interaction that I had uh, with a gentleman um, who was complaining about his children not being as successful uh, or not having the focus and the drive and the everything else that it takes to create success. And um, I asked him, I said, well, how do you do it? Tell me, because if you can explain to me, I'm obviously on that journey. So then I'll then, you know, it has to be something wrong with your children, because that's what he thought. And uh, he started explaining it. And obviously, it was not an explanation. It was, I did this, and then I did this, and then I did this. But he was talking about his business successes, not his actual uh, mental clarifications, distinctions, uh, and alignments that are required to create the success mindset that you need, as we all know. So I decided that I'd create a journal, and basically any time that I had a key understanding, a key distinction, a key... Uh, building block of my success that I would write it down, document it, and make everything easy to understand. And that's what I've been doing with MineshBindi.com. And I think you guys have been liking the posts. I th- it's not really, I'm not doing, this is not a business. I don't aim to do any coaching uh, around this. We're pretty busy with what we do over at GoldForLife.com. This is really a documentation process for success. This is um, the journey, the lessons, and I wanted to have this podcast quite simply because I think I can articulate, personally speaking, I can articulate better an idea or a concept um, through speaking much better than I can through writing. More importantly, this is just a lot more easy and a lot more fun for me, um, and also I can bring some friends on because I have pretty good conversations, pretty in-depth, pretty... Um, uh, mind-changing conversations about success with key people in my life. And I'm going to slowly, as we go on, bring them onto this podcast and literally talk about success. And that's why this podcast is called Conversations on Success. This is going to be about conversations on what success is to people, what it, how, what it's evolving into, because I think success is really evolving right now. We're entering a period where the meaning of success is is changing. It's getting it that spiritual injection into it. Uh, what I like to call spiritual capitalism is coming through, and you know, an alternative word is, is conscious capitalism. And I think that that evolution from Ayn Rand's idea of idealistic, pure capitalism is transforming into what we now 
uh, I like to call spiritual capitalism. And I think that idea of success and what success is, is evolving too. And I think it's important to have that conversation and really allow, because all the blueprints that we've got up to now are people who have created success really in uh, the previous template of what success in capitalism was. We're entering a world right now which is changing, transforming every single day, and it really requires a new mindset. More importantly than that, if we could inject and have people operating from a spiritual capitalism model, which I'll go into in one of these other one of these podcasts, um, then I think we could change the world. I think if businesses were operating from profit plus uh, output in terms of um, giving back and uh, more importantly, profit wasn't just considered in terms of dollars. That doesn't mean you let go. I don't mean that I'm not that person. What I mean is, is that the profit is more than just the money. I think we could actually change the world. Business can do a lot more to change the world than any other uh, entity, entity, government, or anything like that out there. So on this first podcast, I was really confused. I was wondering what I should talk about on this podcast. And I thought I'd really just review how my journey into really understanding that I can manifest everything that I want and understanding that I can um, create the reality around me that I want and how it all really started. People who have been following me on Gold for Life will understand how my investment journey started, but no one really knows unless you've read, obviously, the post on MineshBindi.com, how my spiritual journey started. So, uh, firstly, I want to put the precursor down that I think everybody has greatness within them. And I don't think, I know that everybody has greatness within them, right? Even the Bible, uh, and I'm not religious, but uh, the Bible said the kingdom of heaven is within you, right? And every unaltered, <laughs> key word right there, unaltered religious scripture, scripture has had the same understanding. So why are there so many people on this planet live out, living without the knowing uh, of this power that they hold to create the world around them. This is one of my missions, I guess, to awaken that um, in people through uh, through doing doing what I do and, and allowing people to observe that. That's why I'm as public uh, as, as I am. Um, now, I think we've been deluded to thinking that the world around us is all there is, that we can't affect, and I mean literally affect the world around us. I think we're taught and conditioned to be grateful for what we receive, not be grateful for what we can create. And I think that's a big key distinction. We've been taught to be grateful for what we can receive, not be grateful for what we can create. Uh, and after studying stories of world changes, there's this one correlation uh, that I've noticed, and that is they all had one moment in which the very fabrics of the illusionary universe they were put in fell away, right? So the universe that they thought they were building up in, the reality that we're told from birth, every single person had one moment where they realized, this isn't true, and I can actually recreate this world around me, right? Uh, and so I thought I'd make this podcast the story of my moment, Um so, uh, yeah, this is this is the founding blocks uh, of that. So, what the story... Let's go all the way back, okay? The story starts like this. Um, I went to a Tony Robbins seminar. My dad took me to a Tony Robbins seminar back in 2006. And uh, in 2007, I watched... 
the movie The Secret, which a lot of people have watched now. It's a very popular movie. I I used to... I, I, I'm grateful for the direction that the movie The Secret has sent a lot of people in. I think that uh, it's done a lot to actually awaken people into the idea of they can create the world around us. I do not, by any means, think it's the epitome of everything. I think that um, it is a great starting block. So I watched this in 2007, and immediately two feelings popped up inside me. One was, yeah, right, you know, the idea that you can think and something's going to manifest in front of you. And uh, the second one was, this sounds interesting. Um, so then I went about for the next few years writing down goal lists and creating vision boards and everything else. And after December 2010, I sort of forgot about the idea, right? As we all do, we write down things, oh, they don't show up, this, this isn't ever going to work. So you forget about it. Um, nothing had manifested up to that point the way the secret, right, had said. Uh, I sit, meditate, watch money fall on your lap. Um, so I concluded that the answer was... Uh, set a goal and work hard and get a bit of luck and that's you know that's your that's your answer and that was a pretty ignorant thought at that point knowing what I know now so anyway we get to November 2010 and I start reading Dr. Wayne Dyer books, Dr. Deepak Chopra books, Esther Hicks books uh, you know all those books um, I was only mainly reading them for an understanding I started reading them for an understanding of what meditation is and its practices, but inevitably the idea that you're the master of your universe kept coming back again and again and again and being presented to me. So by March of 2011, I was walking around sort of like a self-realized master of the universe. <laughs> My ego was perfectly intact at that point. Um, and as far as everyone else was concerned, uh, yeah, well, I had a little bit of ego at that point. Now, the problem was was that nothing was so-called manifesting uh, the way The Secret said it would all those years ago. So after telling everyone that they could be the master of their own universe, control all their thoughts, set their desires, but have nothing show up, nothing show for the magic working, um, I had this annoying need to sort of prove myself to myself, really. Uh, so I just focused solely on understanding this concept of spirituality and creating the world around you. Um, and I deepen my understanding of what the soul is, how the relationship works between the soul and the world, generally what it takes uh, to live a God consciousness realized life. And I really paid attention to that. And this is sort of when the crazy started happening, right? So in October 2011, one of my favorite artists who we just heard, uh, Jay-Z, um, and his, uh, another artist, Kanye West, announced that they were doing a USA and Canada tour of their latest album, which was Watch the Throne at that point. Um, by the way, listening to this podcast doesn't require you to be an absolute Jay-Z fan. Uh, I just want to make that absolutely clear. It does not require that. Um, I am though. And, uh, so that's why he's the two people that inspire me, Steve Jobs and Jay-Z are in the intro and the outro of this podcast. Now I was so excited, uh, that after seeing them not post a European date, because I live in London, um, I told my assistant to be ready at launch time when the tickets go on sale. I wanted, I wanted to go to Las Vegas uh, at the MGM Grand with VIP tickets, which are like 20 people per show. Um, and I also told her that if those sell out and you can't get those, go to the last date on the concert bookings and just book VIP regardless of where it is in the world and would go. 
And she came back and she said, I got the tickets, uh, but you're not going to Las Vegas. So at this point, I thought, okay, so New York, Miami, LA, where are we going? Uh, and she said, Vancouver, Canada in December. Now, <laughs> now I've never been to Canada at that point before. Uh, now, Vancouver is one of my favorite places on the planet and partly is the story. Uh, and she said, it's in December. So me thinking with the ignorant thoughts, right? This is going to be like, you know, 10 inches of snow, for example, uh, from what I'd learned about Canada in December. So I called my friend, Ryan, uh, called my brother. We speak for uh, 30 seconds, but everyone just erupted in absolute excitement. We were so high on adrenaline, we couldn't fight that, that we couldn't, you know, we couldn't fight the snow of Canada. We were going there, right? Um, so... Uh, I looked at my friend Ryan and I said, you know we're going to party with Jay-Z that night, right? And he sort of looked at me with a look of, I think you've got too much adrenaline running through your system at that point. So anyway, we forget all that's happening. Comes to the 13th of December, flying out on the 15th. Now I never go clubbing. Anyone who knows me understands that I never go clubbing or anything like that. It just does not interest me um, to, to do that. That's just not what I'm fascinated with. Um, I'm sort of champagne jazz music dresses suits and nice things like that i don't just i just don't do i stay away from the clubbing but ryan and my brother actually wanted to go clubbing in vancouver um especially after the concert night so i open up facebook and i want to say this this was a few years ago so people need to understand that the, my maturity level has increased a lot since then uh, and my spiritual growth has increased a lot since then. You know, now that I've told you this pre-frame, people are getting going to get really a lot excited about wondering what the hell's coming up next. So anyway, um, we started looking at parties and things like that in Vancouver that were happening on the day of the concert and everything like that. And then a thought crossed my mind as uh, I'm pretty sure and being very, very honest about it right now, uh, any young male's mind crosses uh, this thought of when they're going to a new place is, hmm, I wonder what the women are like in Vancouver. Uh, now, now I actually think Canadian women are one, you know, some of the best, some of the most beautiful women in the world. Um, so anyway, while I was looking for, I'm just gonna gonna accelerate through this bit because it is a very immature section, but it's a key vital part in understanding. Uh, how the moment happened, the moment of the realization. So uh, I get on, I'm on Facebook and I look at, you know, uh, the women that are in Vancouver, right? I came with a list of women. Um, and just like any man would, I started um, looking at their profiles. So I look through about 16, 17 profiles and I see a girl who's looked really, really beautiful. And I thought, wow, I would love to meet that girl. And that was pretty much it. So I closed the, closed the laptop, nothing nothing too crazy. Closed the laptop. Um, we got really excited to handle a couple of business things that I needed to handle. Got onto the plane, went, went to uh, Vancouver. So we were in VIP. This is the concert day, all right? We're in VIP. We get to our seats, which, by the way, my, uh, and my brother and Ryan decided to head to the bar to get a drink. Uh, on their return, we realized, because we were in VIP, we got in really early, we still had about 45 minutes before the concert started. So I said, you know what, let's go 
grab a drink, I'll come with you. So we come straight up the stairs, uh, head straight into the bar ahead. Now how it worked is there's six bars, six different exits. So we take the stairs on the right, if you want to imagine that. Um, we head to the bar that's right in front of us. Uh, my brother goes to find a toilet. Me and Ryan are stood at the bar. Now there's a girl sitting at the bar by herself. Uh, and there's two stools next to her. So it's her and two stools. Um... And we ask her if we can have them. She says, absolutely. Um, and we sit down and start talking about Jay-Z lyrics and our favorite uh, Jay-Z moments, right? About two minutes in, another girl shows up and asks the girl next to me, on to my left, um, you gave away my stool. To which her friend sitting there burst out laughing, obviously, because it was a, a big joke and she obviously wasn't a good friend. But regardless of that... Um, they were so they were really good hip hop fans as well. So I said I apologize, and we sh- shared stools, and we just continued talking for about another half an hour. In the end, uh, we exchanged details. Um, she, I didn't have uh, international data on my phone, so she gave me her phone, and I plugged in my Facebook and sent a friend request. Um, and we just left. We went into the concert. The concert happened. The concert was amazing. Um, and Ryan decides, you know what, let's go and find out where these guys are actually partying tonight, because we hadn't set that up yet. So he approaches in VIP, uh, their entourage, it was in VIP. So Ryan approaches one of their guys and says, hey, where are you guys going after this? Uh, now, I sort of everyone was on board with my crazy plan um, to party with Jay-Z that night. So he approaches them and they uh they basically tell him a club which doesn't play any hip-hop music jay-z music is hip-hop music and they basically mention a club that we know from talking to the concierge does not play any hip-hop music which sort of was like a we don't want to tell you go away sort of response so anyway the concert finishes we're getting ready to leave we look at the exit route and there's about a thousand people queuing on these stairs ryan out of a moment of well now obviously we know these serendipities sort of happen but out of a moment of sheer genius um walks round behind us where security was and says we've got vip badges we're exiting via this route behind going backwards underneath the main seating area um and i don't know what happened serendipity as usual but this security guard said sure so we walk past backstage now, and we're we've got Jay Z's wardrobe on one side, Kanye West's wardrobe on another side, and obviously we immediately turned into Justin Bieber groupies, right? Like thirteen-year-old girls standing outside their wardrobe, waiting for them to come out at this moment in time. Now this was probably one of the most embarrassing moments of that I had, but uh, yes, that's exactly what happened. Anyway, they didn't come out. What did happen, though, was a security guard came. Uh, we let, we, 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 uh, one sort of left us alone, and the second one caught us. Said, you don't have the right VIP badge. You don't have backstage passes. What are you doing here? Like, you've got to move, otherwise I'm going to have you moved. At which point, he took us out of a side exit, sort of pushed us out. Um, and, you know, Ryan said, you know, forget this. Let me just get the car, and uh, let's just let's just go to the only hip-hop club because we all like hip-hop let's go to the only hip-hop club in vancouver at which point there is a girl and her friend now one of the girls is absolutely drunk again if you know me and when you get to know me you'll understand i do not have time for people who are excessively drunk i just don't 
I just choose not to now manifest those people into my life. Um, so Ryan has got the uh, the courtesy car that with with the driver and everything from the hotel that we were staying in in Vancouver, and he's bringing that round, just instructing the driver where to come on the phone. Um, in the meantime, I started talking to these two girls. Now remember, one of them is drunk. And the other one is absolutely sober. And at the end of it, they were sort of looking for where to go uh, partying too. And again, out of some serendipity or some unconscious wisdom, I said, come with us. So in the end, we're all sitting in the car. Um, and Ryan looks back at me and says, you know what? Forget trying to party with Jay-Z. We don't know where they're going to go, if they're going to go anywhere. They told us the wrong one. Let's just go to the only hip-hop club in Vancouver and... Um, at least we'll have fun. And it made sort of sense. So we're driving there, and I thought, how the hell are we going to get into this club? We're not Vancouver, we're not Vancouver regulars. We're not people who, uh, we, we don't know anyone in the city. Uh, and the girl that was absolutely drunk sort of woke up, regained full, I don't know how, I don't know how they do this, but regained, she was absolutely sober in that moment, and she said, a friend of mine handles security, I'll handle, I'll take care of it, so me and Ryan are looking at each other going, is this really going to happen, this looks like, this is, a, this is a joke, you know, the, the universe works in mysterious ways, we pull up right outside the club, she's handled it, we get searched by security, and let up past the queue of 300 people, straight to our VIP section, we sit down, we order two bottles of champagne, um, I go over to Ryan, and we chink our glasses, I sit back down on our sofa, and Jay-Z comes in and walks, sits down five steps away from me. Now at this point, that's what you call exciting. At this point, things started changing. Because at this point, I realized that this actually works. That setting the intention, that deciding clearly what you want, works. And that letting it go to the universe, having faith that it's going to happen, works. Right? Now, there was all sorts of distractions in the club, and I'm just sat. Because nobody understood. Have you ever had that moment where you're sitting there and you realize that, <clears throat> excuse me, nobody in this club, nobody around me, no one understands exactly what this means. That's the type of moment that I had. Now, I was ready to leave as soon as Jay-Z left. And what I realized, uh, I was ready to leave as soon as he left. Because I didn't need it anymore. I didn't need to be there in the club. I didn't need any of that. What I was looking for was that proof. That knowing that I can do it. That knowing that I can manifest anything. I mean, this was a soul, right? So this is, this is, this is on a deeper level to now that I understand the, the metaphysics and things like that. And manifestation and how energy manipulation works. I understand that you can manifest a car. I can understand how you can manifest a house. But how do you manifest a living, breathing soul? Because that to me is 
sort of like the hardest, it appears like the hardest thing. Um, obviously, we understand now that when you've got, you know, you are one and everything is you and you are living in the singular singularity of the consciousness that we're existing in, um, you can you can see why it would happen. But it take I think it takes a huge alignment in uh, in direction in vision for that to happen. So if if you've got a weird story like that that really uh, gave you that fundamental belief and understanding that this is real, no matter what it was, go in go into the blog and leave a, a comment with what your story was. I'd love to I'd love to hear it. So um, after uh, the Jay Z. Uh, incident happened after he left I was ready to leave but we sort of stayed there um and I was just in my mind at this point I couldn't (laughs) I couldn't escape this was too weird for me uh so we ended up going back to the hotel and I uh it was like 5 a.m in the morning okay um went back to the hotel and I jumped straight onto my computer because obviously at 5 a.m in the morning Vancouver time everyone in the UK who I was mainly connected with is awake, so I thought I'd tell them about this Jay-Z experience, so I get onto my computer, get onto Facebook, write this amazing uh, post about how amazing this experience of manifesting Jay-Z was, um, and I see that I have a friend request, and I see uh, the girl that we met in the bar, um, her friend request, because I'd sent a friend request from her Facebook, and it's the exact same girl that two weeks before I'd said I'd love to meet. What's even scarier is she won tickets that day to be there. She was at the right bar, the right section in the bar, and we ran into each other after I said I want to meet that particular girl. Now, how the hell does that happen? If you want more of the Minesh Bindi podcast, subscribe on iTunes or head over to www.mineshbindi.com where you can join the discussion and ask Minesh questions after each episode. So go there now and leave a comment. And if you want even more, plus some personal insights from Minesh that are only shared by email, get over to www.mineshbindi.com and sign up to Minesh's email updates. If you truly enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends now and we'll see you on the next one.